Hello everyone, you are listening to the Jeremy Says Podcast, and this is Jeremy. Today I'm going to be talking about a book called The Spiritual Evolution of Margarito Bautista, Mexican Mormon Evangelizer, Polygamist, Dissident, and Utopian Founder, 1878-1961. This book is written by Elisa Eastwood Pulido. So why am I talking about this book? Lately, I've been thinking a lot about history and talking about history and my own personal history is really important to me to think about where I come from, where I've been. It always helps to reflect as well, to know who you are by by viewing the past. I'm going to start by reading just the uh, the inside cover of the book. This book is the first full-length biography of Margarito Bautista, 1878-1961 a celebrated Latino Mormon leader in the U.S. and Mexico in the early 20th century, who was a Mexican cultural nationalist, visionary, founder of Utopian Commune, and Mormon dissident. Surprisingly little is known about Bautista's remarkable life, the scope of his work, or the development of his vision. Elisa Eastwood Pulido draws on his letters, books, pamphlets, and unpublished diaries to provide a lens through which to view the convergence of Mormon evangelization, Mexican nationalism, and religious improvisation in the U.S.-Mexico borderlands. A successful proselytizer of Mexicans for years, from 1922 onward, Bautista came to view the paternalism of Euro-American leadership of the Church as a barrier to ecclesiastical self-governance by indigenous Latter-day Saints. In 1924, he began his journey away from mainstream Mormonism. By 1946, he had established a completely Mexican-led polygamist utopia in Mexico on the slopes of the volcano Popocatépetl, 22 kilometers southeast of Mexico City. Here he preached an alternative Mormonism rooted in Mesoamerican history and culture. Based on indigenous hermeneutic of Mormon scripture, Bautista proclaimed that the indigenous peoples of the Americas were a chosen race, destined to wrest both political and spiritual authority from the descendants of Euro-American colonists. This book provides an in-depth look at a man still regarded with cultural pride by those Mexican and Mexican-American Mormons who remember him as an iconic and revolutionary figure. The author of the book, Elisa Pulido, is a religious historian who specializes in religion in Mexico, religion in the U.S.-Mexico borderlands, race and religion, and gender studies. She holds a Ph.D. in religious studies from Claremont Graduate University and is currently a visiting scholar there. This isn't the first time I've heard of Margarita Bautista. My grandfather had once mentioned to me some of his work before and encouraged me to learn more about him. In fact, I remember a story that my grandfather um, told me about Bautista. And I'm sure if, I, if my grandmother or grandfather from my mother's side were still alive, they would be able to tell me more. The reason that I know this is because he is the founder of the the colony that my family is from in Mexico. My cultural heritage is that of Mormon fundamentalism, uh, polygamist belief. So yeah, he's a Mormon dissident, a polygamist, a utopian founder, and that colony is still in existence and there, and I am one of the descendants of this place.
<laughs> Isn't it beautiful? The legacy of history continues. What really drove me to want to learn more about this man is that I can tell, well, I knew that there had to be something special about the way that I, a brown-skinned Mexican-American, would be connected to Mormon polygamy. How did it happen? I didn't, I never really understood why and how. And now that I've started to read this book, I see the part that this man played in bringing forth this idea of, uh, of indigenous people partaking in a in an American religion. There's this other chapter or paragraph from the introduction of the book that I wanted to share. It starts. I've chosen to focus on Bautista's consistent championing of both the spiritual authority and the rights of indigenous Mexicans as he moved in and out of various religious movements, and to allow him to present his thought in his own voice. The man who wrote La Evolución de México in 1935 was not the same man who by 1947 had survived the crucible of abandonment by almost everyone he knew. Although his roles and memberships in various religious organizations changed, the Bautista of 1992, sorry, 1922, the Bautista of 1935, and the Bautista of 1944, 1950, 1961, never retreated from outspoken denunciation of the oppression of the indigenous peoples of Mexico. And in fact, Bautista's evolving religious views only served to strengthen his conviction that the indigenous population of Mexico needed to receive restitution from Euro-American colonizers and their descendants. It could be said that Bautista was devotedly obedient to an oft-repeated injunction from the pages of the Book of Mormon, quote, remember the captivity of thy fathers, end quote. There was probably never a day when he forgot the centuries of oppression, discrimination, and marginalization experienced by his fathers. So far, I've only read the first two chapters of the book, the introduction and the brief history of an indigenous and religious authority in Mexico from the, the years 1500-1600. During the, the, colon, the initial stages of colonization, the conquest of Mexico, um, with Hernán Cortés and uh, the defrocking of Aztec priests, um, of course, demolishing the political power of the Aztecs and replacing it with the Christianized Catholicism of Spain. Of course, that was—it's really cool and interesting to say to see that um, although religion has always been used to sustain whatever political power has control, religion and religious authority in a lot of ways, has always been um, its own form of power. And so individuals, and especially um, indigenous people, have always sustained their own indigenous power through their spiritual practices. And they've used that indigenous power, that indigenous spirituality, as a form of resistance to colonization. At times, I think that the overlap of religious ideas, of, or of any ideas of freedom, goodness, truth, all these things um, overlapped to, to spark rebellions within Mexico. And if you know anything about Mexican history, you know it's full of chaotic political instability and oftentimes very racialized struggle for liberation from these oppressive um, not just governments, but uh, societal structures. So to read a little bit more from the introduction, Pulido says, 
Despite the absence of a salaried career, Bautista chose to adopt Mormon teachings in 1901 precisely because he was enamored with the early Mormon reimagining of indigenous Americans as members of the lost tribes of Israel. These teachings gave Bautista the opportunity to promote an indigenous recentering of the world and provided him a base for his prophetic program for the redemption of Mexico. The indigenous peoples of America were thus heirs to the Abrahamic covenant, designed to usher in Christ's millennial reign on earth. Mexicans, he claimed, would regain their spiritual authority and wrest political control from the descendants of Euro-American colonizers by strictly adhering to God's revealed commands, including the early Latter-day Saint injunctions to practice polygamy and the communal ownership of property. All of this is things that I've heard before growing up from my grandfather, from my mother, and just barely a few whispers of it in uh, the white, predominantly white communities that I grew up in. It always seemed like there was something to be proud of there, some prophecy that should have drawn me into the religion more. But in the story of how I decided to leave Mormon fundamentalism, um, that, that aspect of the experience of racism early in my life really, I think, felt to me so real and so wrong that that's where I began to question some of the things I'd learned. For people who are unfamiliar with uh, with uh, some background of the Mormon church or the Mormon ideology, I'll share another paragraph from uh, Pulido's book. It says, according to the narrative of the Book of Mormon, two families led by a prophet by the name of Lehi fled Jerusalem in about 600 BCE and migrated to an unknown location in the Americas. Cohesion among the group failed after their arrival, and they became racialized through an act of God. Nephites were righteous and fair-skinned, while Lamanites were presented as wicked and of darker complexion. The earliest of the Nephite prophets, said to be the authors of the various books and that together composed the Book of Mormon, viewed darker-skinned Lamanites as cursed for 600 years, the inhabitants experienced various spiritual awakenings, apostasies, civil wars, race wars, and truces. Following great destruction, the resurrected Jesus visited the Americas and preached the same gospel he taught in Jerusalem to an indigenous population at an unnamed location. Following this visit, the inhabitants established an ideal society founded on Christian doctrine, which eliminated both racial prejudice and, through the communal ownership of property, poverty. According to the text, this community thrived for a period of 200 years until political and religious divisions, as well as corruption and immoral decay, led to a war of extermination around 400 CE. This war eventually resulted in the destruction of that group of people then claiming the tag Nephites by those then claiming to be Lamanites. And I think learning some of that as reading when I read the Book of Mormon as a young man, as a child as well, I I knew there was something that was just off to me, thinking that me with my brown skin had inherited some form of some form of curse. And I remember speaking to my parents about it and, and not being satisfied with the response that we inherited the in a sense I, I get the feeling that we inherited the the sins of our fathers in a way. I think I always had felt subjugated in my in my uh, upbringing in that way, through the, the spiritual predetermination of who I could be. Anyway, this is the first part of this book that I'm going to describe to you, and I hope that 
Over time, I will describe it a little more. I'll share some more of the history that is described in this book because I think it's a it's a great compilation of a specific man who left a big imprint in who I've become and what my family continues to live this day. That's the thing about history. History is all of ours. There's so many histories. It's important for us to know something about them. So thanks for listening. You have been listening to the Jeremy Says Podcast with your brother, Jeremy.